Welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc. Voices Are Power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guests, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Hi, welcome back to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am so excited to bring to you today Christine Rose. She is an accredited certified coach. She works with small business entrepreneurs and CEOs. She is an amazing woman, has written how many books, Christine, at this point? I'm a co-author of three and the single author of one. And this, the one, the life beyond me too, amazing. Everybody needs to read this book. This is incredible. Not only women, but men need to be involved in this because there is so much great information about how we as women can help empower each other, help empower our community at work, help empower our lives, our families, and you know the men in it they need to be involved and understand where women are coming from so that we can stop this norm of allowing harassment and the misunderstanding and then getting into the nitty gritty of rape and sexual abuse and all of that i couldn't put it down i absolutely could not put this book down you really need to read it and christine i'm so excited that you're here I'm excited you founded a new company. You've got a new website, which is www.ceoaccl.com. Please tell us about it. Okay, A-C-C-E-L, C-E-O-X-L. I want to thank you, Kristen, for having me on. And thank you so much for reading my book. And for this review, I'm really excited the publisher allowed me to lower the price for the ebook down to $3.99. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Maybe it's $2.99. I don't even remember, but I know it's much lower than it used to be. So this is like the time to buy it. But the CEO Excel, because, you know, for your listeners, I've been coaching small business owners and CEOs since 2015. I heard about and got a chance to go visit different mastermind groups and really wanted to create a place for CEOs to keep on learning and have a place where it's okay for them not to know everything, where they really can just go and learn with each other. 
And so it has access to the Value Builder platform, which helps CEOs understand how to increase the value of the company, not just the revenues, so that when it's time to transition out, they're ready. You know, it's like that seven habits of highly effective people begin with the end in mind. <laughs> so it's like, let's in. Let's prepare for the transition from day one. It has access to business executive team strategy coaching. It has access to uh, mastermind groups, but instead of it being a whole day or a half day somewhere once a month, we are getting it done in 90 minutes virtually from across the country. It's just like a way to save time and really connect with smart people because there's this saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need a new room. Absolutely. You know, my daughter and I were just talking about that. You know, if you want to up-level your life, up-level the people that you hang with. I'm excited about what you're doing. I'm excited about this mastermind. How incredible to be able to really sit down in 90 minutes and get ultimate value from a mastermind. I run a couple of masterminds, so I understand that concept of really putting the power of time to work. That is one thing that we do not have control over is the amount of time that we have in a day, but we have control over how we use it. That is really important. So tell me a little bit about your CEO and then your entrepreneur websites or coaching. So one is an up level from the other, if my understanding is correct. And how do you qualify? So if you're a small business owner and you're a solopreneur, or you're pretty small, haven't hit that million dollar revenue mark yet, you want to go to coachchristinerose.com. And also like if you're an executive, if you're maybe you want to go from one level of management up to the next one. You want to get up to the C-suite. So you would go there or you have, if you're a, you know, a business owner and you want to have your team get coaching, you would go to coach Christine Rose. Once you've hit that million revenue tier, then CEO Excel is a really great community for you because it's more than just coaching. It's really more about it being in a community in an online space. That's great. It is so great to be able to have those spaces and that ability to really share with each other, to learn from each other, to create that safety net. You know, we're doing that here at Roar and and creating that safety net for women to be able to talk about whatever it is that they need to talk about when it comes to the changes in their bodies and how their bodies are working as well as empowering women in a multitude of other ways. Reading this book, which again is Life Beyond the Me Too Movement, and I love the title, and I love you know creating a safer world for our mothers, our daughters, our sisters, and our friends. Women need to know they're not alone because for whatever reason, we have really trained our children throughout the ages to believe that you can't talk about things with other people. You can't reach out and say, Hey, I'm in trouble. I need help. And that is what I more than anything found within these pages was the fact that I'm not alone. No matter what I've been through, I'm not alone. And it's not about comparison. So, you know, we all have stories, right? But it's not like, you know, my story is not as bad as hers, so I can't address it. Or my story's not as bad, 
as it could be, but I'm trans, so I can't address it. Or my story's terrible, and there's no way in hell I would ever talk about this to anybody because there's no safety. And besides, what's the point? Well, you know, actually, there's healing in not having to carry your secrets and having to let go of shame in order to let go of shame, being able to find safe people. And then not, not everybody's a safe person, right? So how do you evaluate that, right? It's like, let's figure out when is it appropriate to share? So there's a lot of meat in this book. That's why it's broken down into chapters where there's a, a story, a topic, and some questions because, you know, you don't want to race through this book. It's more like a guide and a coach to help you kind of think through some things personally, but even for your company. I think that was probably one of the reasons why I couldn't put it down was it wasn't just, let's be shocked. Let's just go through the stories and do the comparison or do the, I have shoes, so therefore I'm okay. It's that old story of, while I have shoes, the guy next to me doesn't have feet, so I'm better off or I'm worse off than him. But it was beyond that. It wasn't just the shock value. It was the discussion. It was the thought process. You know, so you could sit back and you could really think about what was happening and that it was, you were okay. I'm okay right here, right now. I'm okay. I'm safe. I am able to process through whatever has occurred in my life because now I know kind of the steps to take. And that's what I really found within these pages. If your listeners don't know me, they don't know that I grew up in a home with three sexual abusers and have a ton of stories myself. And so I'm not coming from a place of here, take all this material and go do something with it when you're paralyzed because it's in your body. The trauma lives in your body and we're embodied human beings, right? And it's like, there's things that we need to know that we don't know that it helps to look at everything that's involved and kind of get the bigger picture in order to work into, you know, my own life. What do I need to do next? What's my next step? Or also to get the bigger picture that this is so much bigger than me, that this is the way the world is right now. It's still not any better than it used to be, even though people are calling people into account. And we found out during the pandemic when I was doing the revised edition that the pandemic just showed us where the fault lines are if we didn't see them before during Me Too. So we're kind of straddling old normal and we have this opportunity to move into a new normal where our daughters are safe, where one in five won't need to worry about becoming a rape victim when they go to college. I mean, we have the option to create this or we can keep sticking our head in the sands and keep on doing what we're doing. The other day I went in for a CT scan. And I was waiting outside when I was done for the nurse. And the next person was a gentleman, an older gentleman. And the tech was this young girl, cute. And as he's walking in, he says, so I'm supposed to get naked for you, right? And my initial reaction to that was to laugh. And then I thought, stop, that's 
why it continues to be the norm because we continue to allow it to be. If we don't stop and say, that's really an inappropriate thing to say in a place like this, instead of laughing, it's uncomfortable to say that's inappropriate. But even the people who are doing it, I'm not always sure that they understand what they're doing. You know, I don't know his history. I don't know who he is, so I I can't speak for him. But for me, I didn't speak up. And now looking back at it, I'm like, that's the time that I need to stand for what I stand for. And that's to stop this norm of inappropriate comments and behaviors. Right. One way to do it is with questions. You know, in a moment like that, to be the person who sees that person on the receiving end of an inappropriate comment and just to check in in front of the other person to saying, hey, by the way, you know, I overheard that comment. I'm just curious how that's sitting with you. And for the other person to then be a witness to, oh, I didn't really like that. (laughs) You don't have to judge the comment, but if you come alongside someone who you think might have been negatively impacted by something that happens in public and just saying, hey, you know what? I just heard that. I'm just curious. How did that land with you? That might be a way to open a conversation that is not harsh or judgmental or anything. Right? I love that. That's great. Just to use your curiosity and wonder instead of ignoring it. That's such a great way to do it because you're then not attacking the person for saying it. You're not adding fodder to it, but instead giving the person who the comment was made to the ability to know that she's not alone or they are not alone. And there is an accountability at that point for the person who made the content. Yeah. There's a little bit of accountability that doesn't necessarily lead to defensiveness, but there's also solidarity. It's, I'm a part of this new normal where we take care of each other by what we allow to come out of our mouths. That's beautiful, Christine. That is beautiful. I love that. Again, everybody needs to read this book. So I was going through it again this morning and I wanted to pick out kind of a piece And what kind of really sat with me was coming back to what had happened on Monday, which was really weird because I just opened the book to page 253 at the bottom chapter, bottom paragraph. It's, we live with offenders in our mess. Offenders are neighbors, coworkers, friends, community members, schoolmates, and even leaders. Most of the time, the offender is someone we know. Most of the time, the victim is wearing sweats, pajamas, or casual clothes they wear at home. That's such a powerful couple of sentences. I live with having had sexual abuse in both my childhood from family members as well as outside the family. Um, Rape at 10, gang raped at 11. So I've been the victim but I don't consider myself a victim in any way. I I consider myself a victor because I made my choice 
to, once I got through a whole lot of crap, as we all do, to not allow it to define me. But we need to know that the bad guy doesn't come in a black hat. He's not dressed in a certain way. She's not a certain person. It can be absolutely anybody, uncles, people that live across the street, the kids in your church. So recognizing that can be difficult. I mean, for me, I remember as a kid, I was given the book, you know, the good guy, the bad guy, and the good guy always had the white hat on. The bad guy always had the black hat on. And I think it came from our Westerns in Hollywood. And so we just expected to be able to see them, to know them, to pick them out of a crowd easily. And when we couldn't, that was when it was like, oh, there must be something wrong with me because they're not wearing the black hat. They're wearing the white hat that I thought they were wearing. I loved that in this chapter. And further on, or we talk about in the old normal, a lot of different places where harassment or abuse shows up and it's everywhere. You know, we really have a choice as a society. We have a choice to gain awareness and Awareness is a precursor to change. So if we don't have awareness, how are we going to create a change? I mean, I think it was Einstein who said you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that you took to create it, right? Something like that, the loose quote. But we need more awareness of what's happening beneath the surface in order to move from reacting into creating. And as a society, we react. But imagine, Kristen, the power in your life if you never went through any of those traumatic experiences and what you experienced instead was incredible, deep, unconditional love and support from everyone you encountered. I mean, the whole society would be thriving on a level that we can't even begin to imagine when half of us are hurting. What if we didn't have to do the hurting? What if the men listening realized, oh my gosh, I'm crippling myself. I mean, the financial well-being that we could all be having, the physical well-being that we could all be sharing, the mental, social, emotional, relational well-being that we all could be having if there wasn't this huge burden of pain and shame and regret and horror and guilt. Yeah. I think there's a lot of regret from people who misuse power at some point in their life, whether it ends up being a, something that they express before they die or not, they carry it in their bodies. I think people notice, I mean, unless you're really a psychopath, and I wouldn't say that everybody who's an abuser is a psychopath. I would say that there's a lot of things they have to learn about how to understand human beings and relationships, which were missing in theirs. And there's so much to learn from the book. I try to pack a lot in in a very short period of time. <laughs> I'm going to have to reread again and again. You know, it's definitely a good discussion group kind of a book to do with other people. It is. I mean, what a great mastermind in and of itself, just to be able to go through each and every chapter to kind of reevaluate and recalculate how we are interacting with each other as a whole. And 
I might have to throw this into my mastermind because it is good. It is just really great to be able to sit back and go, okay, let's think about this. And then if we turn it into the wheel that Jack has, Jack Canfield, if you don't know who Jack is, and I talk about him a lot, but we take that right now, we're working on finance and then we'll go into health. And this would be a great place to throw this in. You know, a couple of these chapters to talk about it would give us some things to really think about within that concept. I am amazed at anybody that's able to sit down and write a book like this, because this took so much, not only introspection, but research and collaboration. You've done a a beautiful, beautiful job and you write beautifully. It's just flows. Thanks, Kristen. I'm really grateful to my research as though Vivian Rose, who also is my sister and she has a PhD in women's history and was the director of, I think, cultural resources for the Women's Rights National Park for many, many years. It's retired from that. But it was really awesome to have her help and support on the research because we had many conversations over the course of 18 months. And, you know, when you think about the offenders in our midst, going back to that, they don't wear a sign that says, I'm about to harass you or I'm about to abuse you. But if we know that they're there and that we create the solidarity that we were talking about earlier, then there can be safety. Instead of coming at it from, oh my God, they're everywhere. Let me shut my door and go inside. Well, what we found out during the pandemic is that doesn't make you any safer. So what what makes you safer is awareness and the courage to have the right conversations with people and awareness that we're not alone. Right. I think that fear of being judged, of finding out that nobody else has that or has had that experience is almost a built-in mechanism to protect ourselves. It is uncomfortable to step out of that place. But when you do and you allow your voice to be heard, even if it's by one other person, you suddenly are no longer carrying that burden by yourself. And that is so utterly freeing. In this day and age, we have these wonderful tools where, you know, we can get on the internet and find meetup groups. We can find, not that all of them are good. You know, we do have to use our not ability and, and education and intelligence to kind of work through it and make sure that someone is trustworthy, that a place is safe. I didn't have that back then. You didn't have that back when. And we're lucky that that is available to us today. And if there is anyone out there that needs help, reach out to either Christine or I. We're happy to put you in touch with people that can help you if you're not in a safe place. We can help you find what's a good, safe community for you to be able to come from victim to victor. I remember when I ran into my rapist 
years later. And this person had no effect. It was like, oh, hey, how are you? You know, it's so good to see you. Here's my family. Seriously? (laughs) That attitude that they have about what your experience was and what you know your experience to be are not always the same, but that does not negate ever your experience. Your experience is yours alone. And if it was not something you were comfortable with, if it was not something that was right for you, then it wasn't because that's your experience. And so those are the times that it really, you need to reach out, that you need to make people aware of what has happened. Kristen, in the book, we talk about objectification and you can experience trauma in your body and in your mind from objectification that doesn't go as far as rape. And that's where people treat you like an object instead of the person that you are. And the person who disregards the incredible value of a human being by turning them into objects does so from a lack of knowledge and from a poverty of spirit. And so what they need, in addition to incarceration, if they broke the law, which happens extremely rarely compared to, you know, compared to what's happening, but in addition to punishment, they need education about who people are and the value of a human person in using people as objects whether it's for control, it's, it's happening in Ukraine. It's, I mean, it's happening everywhere that people will use people, but maybe it's really limited and it's more about, let me put you into the role of the wife in the family without any physical touch. Let me just objectify you. There's a lot of different ways where objectification happens. And so looking at what that is and looking at how it it is like a bad yeast that's worked its way through the whole dough. <laughs> and, you know, we got, we got the whole, it's just, we're full of it in this world. You know, it brings up an interesting point with objectification that, you know, where the objectifier doesn't always realize that what they're doing is traumatic to the person they're doing it to. That can happen in divorce situations where one parent objectifies the child, puts them into the husband, the wife position and expects them to take over because the other isn't there and has no idea the damage that they're doing to that child, because that's not where a child needs to be. They need to be the child. And I love the thought of the world being this loving, caring, safety net for all of us versus the pain and the trauma and the shame that we are currently dealing with. There is such a vast love for us available at the request of anyone. That to me is what the divine universe source is, is love. And it's there. And why we choose when we come down here to this body in here on earth to forget that that is the source, that that is 
what we're getting back to. I'm not really sure. Uh, I, I know that the lessons that I chose to, to bring with me were for a reason so that I could learn the lessons, share that and change this conversation. But I still don't quite understand why I chose to forget the love until it hit me in the face. I'm so glad <laughs> it did. <laughs> me too. I mean, in the book, I asked, do you have a dream for a new normal? Like, what's your dream? What's your dream for what the world could be like? And what's your part? We could talk about owning our part. I mean, we don't have to each change the whole world. But what if we just change the interactions that we have today with the people that we run into? And if it's always based in love, always, the conversation is difficult or whether it is empowering, it doesn't have to be disempowering ever to the other person or to yourself. Or even in your company. (laughs) I mean, you know, in Salesforce, realize that there are women who were doing the same job as men were getting paid significantly less. They just had the conversation of, okay, we're going to increase all of their raise. We're going to equalize that. And that's a beautiful thing. (laughs) You know, the love can show up in business and it can show up wherever you are. Yeah, (laughs) it can. And the love that we speak of is not this sexual love. We're talking about the love of mankind. We're talking about the love of self. We're talking about that encompassing kindness, that encompassing support. We're talking about the value of ourselves in our entire being. That's the love we're talking about. And I share that with the whole world. You share that with the whole world. And I love that you've used your voice in so many different ways because your roar is really loud, Christine. And I appreciate the fact that you are here and sharing it with this audience and that you have shared this amazing guide in how to change the conversation how to change the way that we look at what's happening and the norm and changing that norm and giving us tools in which to do that. It's not just fodder. It is true tools. I love the idea of taking it and using it as a workbook in your masterminds, as a workbook, maybe with a group at work at lunch. You know, there's all kinds of different ways that it could be used, but this tool is just an awesome, amazing piece to put into your toolbox. So thank you. Thank you for being here and for sharing with us. And I can't wait to have you back again and let's talk some more about your CEO Excel. That's a really exciting piece to your coaching business. And I congratulate you on that. Thank you, Kristen. Part of where the inequity shows up is in the financial and in business. You know, less than 4% of women-owned businesses reach a million revenue. So one of CEO Excel's goals is for 10% of our revenue to go towards mentoring women and minority business owners to help them hit that first million. So it's really exciting to be a part of seeing that respect and love show up in every community at every level. 
Well, if there is anything that we can do to support you in this endeavor, please, please reach out and let me know because this is really, really exciting, Christine. I am big fan, big fan. (laughs) Thank you very much. I know my listeners are going to just absolutely be excited about this episode. Roar with sparks. How loud is your roar? Christine Rose, please reach out to either one of us if there's anything that we can do to help you change the conversation. And I thank you again, Christine. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrarinc.com. Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar?